0: You're listening to the sermons of First Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor James Hunick and I'd like to welcome you. I pray that this sermon will help you in your Christian faith. If you'd like to join us, you can come to First Lutheran Church at worship at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. with a Bible study in between. For more information about our congregation or the Lutheran tradition, please go to www.youhaveaplace.com. Mercy and peace are yours through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The lesson from meditation is St. Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 37, the gospel lesson which has already been read. Why is your pastor gone today? Well, conventional pastoral wisdom is to get a sub whenever thorny topics come up in the lectionary. Indeed, today one hardly feels like saying this is the gospel, the good news of our Lord after the gospel lesson. Here we read of anger, lust, divorce, and taking an oath in court. Again, I ask, why is your pastor whisked away in the trunk of an unmarked car this week? Well, for good reasons at your service, but the strength of the law today prepares you for the full consolation of the gospel. Please be join me then to see how these four topics, anger, lust, divorce, and the oath, teach you to walk in the way of the Lord and to seek him with your whole heart. You have heard that it was said, but I say to you. With these words, Jesus interprets the law on the basis of his own authority. St. Augustine said, The New Testament is in the old concealed. The old is in the new revealed. That is to say, the Old Testament, you have heard, gives you a shadow of the New Testament. And the new, but I say to you, gives us the fulfillment of the old. Jesus then, the New Testament in the flesh, amplifies the laws of old. He turns its volume all the way up. He moves from action to contrition, from outward compliance to inward attitude, by and large, to simplify, from keeping the law with your hands, which is what the Jews of his day did, to keeping the law with the penitent heart. And so Jesus preaches the law this way, again, turning the volume way up to drive the religious old Adam, yes, the sinner in you, to despair and to drop dead at the foot of the cross where there is life. And so, you have heard it said, do not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. And now you're thinking to yourself, or you might be thinking, well, I'm off the hook on that one, Jesus. I haven't strangled, stabbed, shot, or any kicked anyone in the shins, well, at least not since sixth grade recess back in grammar school, and I'm generally kind to people, and I help the old ladies cross the street, and I would never purposefully harm anyone in his body, And then Jesus comes with his New Testament fulfillment, but I say to you, yes, I say to you that everyone who is angry, angry, yes, angry with his brother, will be liable to judgment, and whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Yes, that little altercation that you had in the parking lot that flash of road rage of the guy who cut you off on the eight or the five, that simmering anger that you are harboring over, well, whatever, if Jesus had not become the murderer in your place, the hell of fire would be yours, for yes, we have all been unrighteously angry with our brother. Moreover, you have heard of old that it was said, do not commit adultery, and again, you might be tempted to think, well, I've got that one covered. You might be thinking, I'm faithful in my marriage. I have never strayed. I've always come home on time and so forth. True story. A man once bragged to his pastor, I would never cheat on my wife. And the pastor actually said, you just haven't met the right woman yet. And And he's absolutely right, for no one is above temptation and the pride of saying, I would never, comes before the fall. Almost every man in the crowd who heard Jesus that day probably thought he was in the clear. After all, they stoned adulterers. Yes, they stoned adulterers to death, that is to say. They set the penalty so high it made it unlikely anyone would ever be actually guilty of physical adultery. But again, I say to you, yes, I say to you, What about the heart? Everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Yes, that's right. Even a look, whether live or online, at the beach, at a club, it doesn't matter. Guilty as charged, for the law has no loopholes, no mercy, no easy way out. Guilty as charged. And more. You have heard that it was said, whoever divorces his wife, Let him give her a certificate of divorce. The Jews of Jesus' day placed the certificate of divorce into the hands of the wife in front of three rabbis who served in witnesses, and then the man would say three times, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. Okay, sounds a little bit crazy, and yet we have something just as crazy, namely, no-fault divorce, thank you, California, It's a detour around repentance, for nobody is without fault in the moral failing that is divorce. But I say to you, yes, I say to you, once again, cutting through the outward justification of what I have done with my hands to the heart, everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Yes, In the thinking of the one who made us male and female, and said, the two shall become one flesh, there is no divorce that can ever be legitimized, much less sanctified by a piece of paper. For divorce and adultery go hand in hand and call us all to repent. You have heard that it was said, do not swear falsely, but perform to the Lord what you have sworn. Well, once again, you might be thinking, well, I do pretty well there, Jesus. I tell the truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. And when I pledge to give a certain amount of money, I do it. When I say I swear to God, I mean it and I do it, and I certainly would never, ever cheat on my tax return. Thus, the Old Testament and its misunderstandings in Jesus' day of thinking you could actually keep the law. But I say to you, yes, Jesus says to you, Don't swear at all by heaven, by the earth, or by the hairs of your head. Now, the very fact that you and I ever should place our left hand on the Bible and raise our right hand and say, so help me, God, reminds us that we are, as sinners, people of the lie, who could use a little legitimate fact-checking now and then. Yes, that you have to be put under oath, that sometimes we have to coerce the truth out of people, says that we are by nature liars, liars to the core. And the half-truth, the untruth, the big fish story it's called, that comes out of the sinful mouth much more easily than the whole truth. And once again, it calls you not to say, I've kept it, but to repent. So there it is. Anger, lust, divorce, and the taking of an oath. Four tough topics, four guilty verdicts. day I say not a confirmation verse to be found anywhere in today's gospel lesson and four good reasons for the coming 40 days of Lent. You have heard, but I say to you. So here you have a very deep diagnosis, don't you? The one that you probably don't want to hear, at least as a sinner. But sin is not superficial and topical. It is deep, and it is total, totally and utterly corrupt. It's not just a matter of a bad word here or a bad thought there, a bad or sinful action now and then, though that's part of the scheme. Sin is a deeply corrupted orientation of the heart since Adam's fall. And I dare say that no one left the Sermon on the Mount that day, at least this portion of it, terribly happy, feeling justified about himself. And anyone who left the Sermon on the Mount thinking, well, I'm doing pretty well here, God must be pleased with me, was not listening very carefully. So Moses on Mount Sinai, about 1,500 years before Jesus, gave the law in summary form, the Ten Commandments that Jesus amplifies here. Jesus amplified them to make sure you understand their depth and you see the need for repentance. And let us add this morning, That about 1,500 years after Jesus, Martin Luther expanded on the Ten Commandments for the same reason. Take a look at his explanations in the small catechism. We should fear and love God so that we do not, but we do. Again, fear and love God, and this is what you do not do, and this is what you are then equipped to do in Christ. And there's that little word, but, again, we do not, but we do. So we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body in any way. Again, I dare say we've never murdered anyone, but you can hurt and harm your neighbor in various ways, but rather help and befriend him in every bodily need. So, from Moses and the Ten Commandments, Jesus amplifying them on the Sermon on the Mount, and Luther explaining them in the small catechism, we see that not an iota, Not a dot, we would say not a word or a consonant, would ever pass from the law until all was fulfilled. Why? Why do we Lutherans, best known for the fullness of the gospel, also love the law? Because every loophole in the law, every erased iota or dot, every self-justification takes away something from Jesus' death on the cross. To chisel away at the law and say, well, this just doesn't apply to us in a modern culture or whatever the next excuse of the day may be to hate the law. Every one of those gradually chips away at the gospel as well until the cross is no longer preached. In the fullness of the gospel then, and for the sake of the fullness of the cross, Jesus came to fulfill the law completely not just in the places where we need a little help, even more so. He came to save you from your unrighteous anger through his own righteous anger against all that is against God's word, especially in cleansing and clearing out the temple that would once again be a place where the Lord is worshipped. Jesus came to rescue you from pagan, unholy lust by making your salvation his greatest desire. The thing that he wanted the most was to save you, for he does not want to live without you, his own dear child. And divorce, recall this language is used in the epistles, where we read that Jesus is faithful to you, his own bride, even when you are unfaithful to him by your own sin. He loves you that much that he would never, ever divorce you. And his work transcends any concept of taking an oath. For Jesus is truth incarnate. And he simply cannot lie or deceive. I baptize you, he says. I forgive you all your sins, he says, through your pastor. This is my body. This is my blood of the New Testament. Oh, this is no right hand on the Bible and take an oath, but rather truthful words. From the truth made flesh, who stood before Pilate and, as you recall, Pilate asked, what is truth? Unaware that the answer was standing right in front of him, not so much in words, but in the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ, who is the truth made flesh. This, then, is the gospel in today's gospel lesson. Jesus became sin for you Dearly beloved, that you might become the righteousness of God. He died under the crushing weight of your sins, which are many, and he rose from the dead triumphant over sin and death. And you, in turn, live this out through daily repentance and faith. For you, forgiven, blessed, and redeemed, live under him in his kingdom kingdom where you are free to walk in his ways, to seek him with your whole heart, for his word is your light and your salvation. God granted unto you this epiphany for Jesus' sake. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermons. If you have any questions about anything that you've heard or anything about the Lutheran tradition, I would love to answer them please contact me at pastor h-u-e-n-i-n-k at youhaveaplace.com